mean, there's some of us who might have three rolls at home right now. Amen. Which is fine. Don't don't judge us. I'm not. I got a bidet in the mail. It's headed to me. It's fine. You got to upgrade your poop game. Just saying. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. We're flattered you've chosen to join us in this interesting time. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, total joke, waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. My name is Chris, and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the superfly space guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. Now, we originally planned to cover the theatrical release of A Quiet Place 2 this week, but social distancing is the new normal, and like many other movies slated to hit theaters, it has been pulled from the release schedule. In its place, we're opting to raise our anxiety even higher by checking out a movie some have said is terrifying to watch for the first time during this, the age of COVID-19. But before we get there, let's look back to happier times with some follow-up. So we have some follow-up from our last episode's poll. We asked our listeners on Twitter if the movie Misery with Kathy Bates was a hack or a slash. Uh, So far, it's a pretty overwhelming slash from the majority of our fans. Whoop, whoop. We have Amber saying that this is definitely a slash for me. Kathy Bates is by far exceptional in this movie. And I think the Academy agrees with Amber. We also have a comment from Spencer saying, This movie is so great, in my opinion. It really builds that creepy atmosphere, and of course the two leads are solid. Kathy Bates is terrifying, and the touch of humor from the sheriff and his wife add just enough to give you a break from the tension. As always, we will be asking you on Twitter and on Instagram if you think this movie is a hack or a slash, so stay tuned for this week's poll. Yes, and I'm so glad to see that everybody agrees with us, Paris, except you seem to be a little lonely over there. I am maybe one or two of the people that voted for this movie being a hack. One or two of the people who voted. Is that your burner Twitter? <laughs> I may have made a fake Twitter for this poll. That's fine. <laughs> kind of like Alexis's mom voting for teeth. <laughs> exactly. Oh, All right, folks. Now, our movie this week is a star-studded chronology of a virus as it spreads throughout the world. And it shows the tension between organizations racing for a vaccine, truthers seeking to sow civil unrest, and the deterioration of society as we know it. This week, we're talking about the movie Contagion from 2011. Now, who has seen this movie before? I definitely have. Um, I could say not in the same situation I'm currently watching it in, though. So, <laughs> But it was like when it came out or it was on like somehow on TV or something. Yeah. So I had a really hard time concealing this uh, as to not spoil this question, but I had seen this movie before. <gasps> oh, what? I know. Wow. You guys were like warning me about stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I, too, have seen this pretty close to when it came out, but not in theater. So uh, almost a decade ago. But uh, this was a this was a good rewatch, uh, I think. I think it had some rewatch value for me. Definitely in the time of coronavirus. Yeah. I've actually never seen this movie and I don't even really remember hearing about it. Oh. When I found out we were going to be watching it, I was like, oh, this is probably one of those like virus movies from that like 2000s, mid 2000s, like boom of all the different like plague movies that came out. And I was like, this is probably just one of those. And then I saw the cast list and I was like, wow, who's not in this movie? And how did I not hear about it? <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman is not in this movie. Oh, agree. <laughs> good point. What are you talking about? He plays the virus. <laughs> He's the voice of the virus. <laughs> Hello, dear human. 
I actually hadn't seen this movie either, Paris. And like you, I also hadn't heard of it ever before. I was on Reddit the other day and someone was commenting on how this is a movie that is terrifying to watch for the very first time in this day and age if you're someone who has like a lot of anxiety already about this kind of situation. I didn't know what to expect and I also didn't look up the cast beforehand. So, you know, this movie stars a ton of folks, all right? We have Gwyneth Paltrow, we have Lawrence Fishburne, Kate Winslet, Matt Damon. And let me tell you this, if I knew Matt Damon was in this movie, I wouldn't have watched it. Mm-hmm. Can't stand that guy. <laughs> Absolutely can't stand him. But we also have Jude Law, someone else I can't stand. Aww. I know. This movie is just like, it's, it's a 50-50 chance on whether or not I'm actually going to like it. But I expected this to be nothing more than like a play out of that game, Play Gink. Have you guys ever played that in the App Store? <laughs> yes. No. I am familiar. Okay, so basically... You mutate your own disease or virus or bacteria, and uh, you have to modify it over time. And your goal is to get it to spread throughout the world. And I know oh. that China actually removed it from its app store in the wake of the, of COVID nineteen. Uh, yes, they should. What kind of game is that? You know what? <laughs> but it, okay, so while that giving people ideas, <laughs> giving what are they going to do? <laughs> Let nature mutate <laughs> something, <laughs> <right>. make diseases. <laughs> it just kind of gives you a little more perspective on like how diseases work and how they like spread across the world. It's more educational than anything. I don't need that education. Seems skeptical. <laughs> but one cool thing about that game now, I was playing it in back in February when I visited Virginia. I was playing it on the plane and I didn't play the disease mode. I played fake news mode. So that's interesting as well. Uh, It shows you how you can actually befool people uh, through social media or tabloids or websites, things like that. So pretty interesting. That I like. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. See, that seems more dangerous, giving people actual ideas. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Now, this movie was a really wild ride. And I have to say that even though I didn't have a whole lot of expectation beyond that. I was kind of floored every step of the way with how deep it gets and how tense it gets. But how did you guys feel while you were watching it? Uh, Tense. (laughs) (laughs) Tense. My mind racing. I don't know. Then I was like, I need to run to the store and get (laughs) Tylenol and then you see if I need a thermometer. I am a doomsday prepper or just a crazy ass person right now. (laughs) Have you been buying all the toilet paper? No, I actually was out of toilet paper when I needed it and went to Walmart and there I thought it was a joke. Like I just thought there was toilet paper like just you thought it was just Facebook. Yeah, I was like, okay, there's clearly toilet paper and my boyfriend's out of town. He's like, go get the toilet paper. I'm like, what are you hearing from halfway across like, you know, in (laughs) the other Americas? But anyway, long story short, there was no toilet paper and that's when my reality checked in. To clarify, if you were a doomsday prepper, you wouldn't have needed to go to the store. That doesn't say. You'd have been ready. Well, from now on, I'm being extreme cheap on her. This is a learn learn for all of us. I know, right? (laughs) So I tried to watch this flying in an airplane and it was a a, a <laughs> terrible decision how much judgment did you get well i was sitting next to my friends so they were cool they knew i told them i had to admit to them that i had to watch this movie and i was uh i, I was i was riddled with anxiety is <laughs> really the only way i can say it and i actually turned off the beginning of this and waited until i got home in my comfy bed turned it back on it was stressful and it, it got less stressful but the beginning of this is like you need Xanax, I think. I think you can you could get a prescription based on watching this movie. I feel like I watched this last time and it didn't feel as much anxiety the first oh, time I watched this. For I'm sure. sh- uh, definitely. I mean, 
It's stressful, but not like. Probably because in 2011, you're just thinking that it was like this foreign concept. I was like, oh, we can get it. Just wash your hands. But it's okay if you touch <laughs> your face. Like, <laughs> Gosh, watching this movie is a, is a wild ride, Chris. You definitely said it right. Especially with what's going on right now, you're probably thinking like, oh, my God, what have I touched today? What what door handles did I touch? What uh, surfaces in, in foreign environments that I'm walking through have I touched today? It, def- it definitely makes you. I, rem- I remember when it came out, it had this effect on people with touching their face. And I hope it has the same effect right now. Stop shaking hands. Stop touching your face. I saw a comedian talking about it, how like in the future, you know, shaking hands is it's going to seem like this like really weird concept. It's going to be very intimate. It's going to be like third base. It was a good little bit. But I, I enjoyed this. I watched this with my girlfriend. And today I know she cleaned her entire apartment. Because of that. <laughs> it was because of it, you know, but everything going on and everyone's worrying. You were like yeah. in here huffing Lysol or something. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not the one that's drinking the disinfectant right now, everyone. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that, anybody. That's bad. This kills the human. I did kind of expect this movie to be a little bit more dramatized. Yeah. But like having kind of seen how things have been going lately, it seemed pretty accurate. It didn't seem like they took any like huge creative liberties with how something like this would be handled. It all seemed very plausible. So that was in a way reassuring. But yeah, at one point when Kate Winslet says that we all touch our face like 2,000 to 3,000 times a day, I was actually shocked because I am somebody who tries to never touch my face for any reason at all. And when I do, it's like with the back of my hand, mostly to avoid breaking out. But also, it's just gross. I'd be itchy. I got itchy eyeballs. <laughs> I'm the grossest person, though. Probably at this table. 2,000 times a day? That just seems insane. I don't yeah, know. I can imagine. Three to five times a minute seems dramatic. Who has the time? I've already touched my face three times already, and he's touching his face right now. I have a beard. I always touch my beard. I can't afford it. <laughs> Does the beard count? Yeah, the beard is attached to my face, so it 100% counts. Do you know how much bacteria is in that beard? Ew. Well, I I shampoo it and condition it daily. It's his bacteria. It's cool. (laughs) It's local. It's native. (laughs) That doesn't make it desirable. It's native. (laughs) No, I've got the leftover Gatorade going on in the mustache. You know, it's just sitting there hanging out. Ew. The thing that struck me most when watching this movie was how shocking it was and how merciless it was every step of the way. You know, the the first 10 to 15 minutes of this movie are, you know, as Alexis has you know said in our group chat before this, purely brutal. Right. Like it is unforgiving in any sense of the word. When you look at the quality of the characters and you look at the kind of people that you you would encounter in a daily life and you look at people who you would look to for help, the ones who you would look to to guide you in a moment of like uncertainty and like fear and things like that, the most competent people of the world. And you see, you know, the kind of things that happen to them. I think that's what was most surprising about that movie for me. No one is necessarily safe, no matter how many precautions you take. But what surprised you guys? The the rewatch value on this was surprisingly high for you. I remember having a good experience watching it the first time, but I kind of figured, oh, I'm just going to remember everything as it goes along and it's not going to be super interesting. But it was not the case. I mean, there's so many great details and, and just fantastic acting going on. Like the storytelling is just really strong in the, in the way we're like getting to kind of see this viral outbreak go worldwide and see it develop. It's just really interesting to watch. I know it's a drama. I, I just I just found it really compelling to sit there and just be like, oh my God, this is happening. Oh my God, that's happening. Here's why it's happening. They give you, they like you said, they go really deep on it. And so I, I think it kind of keeps keeps you engaged. But I was surprised that I wasn't just like, okay, I've seen it. I just need to refresh myself. I'm sitting here like edge of my seat the whole the whole movie. That's interesting. I'm I'm kind of on the other side of it. Like after the beginning, when I was just just losing it <laughs> watching this movie, um, I 
wasn't really like tied into it at the, I would say like second half on, like, I feel like I expected what was coming. Like I knew what was coming. So that's actually what surprised me. Cause I remember loving this movie when I first saw it this time. I, I kind of was just like, cool. I, I'm, I know what all these things are. People are going to live. We're good. I'm with you, Ryan. I felt like this was, it was surprising how procedural this movie was. It was like first this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And having seen it like actually happen, it's kind of like it really stuck to the script. So I, I, it wasn't as unpredictable as I was as I was expecting. Like I said, I thought it would be more extreme. But I also was really surprised by how many A-list actors were actually in a movie like this. It almost reminded me of like Love Actually or like Valentine's <laughs> Day, which is like a full ensemble cast. And the kind of, the story kind of touches base on each of their different like storylines throughout the film um, without any particular focus on one character over another. So yeah, I found that to be surprising, a little kind of confusing, I guess, because this doesn't seem like a movie that everyone's manager will be like, you have to get in this film, Matt Damon, or like Kate Winslet, this is the project for you. But somehow it got made and here they all are. First off, Matt Damon will do anything. Okay. Anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. I agree kind of with Mac. I mean, I think watching this a second time, that was like really surprising that I was still able to, even though I knew what was going to happen, I knew where it came from. Like I still remembered those things. It was still enjoyable to watch in a way because I think I'm like, oh, wow, I can tie this to now maybe like personal things I've been seeing. Because I think the first time I had seen this, maybe, I mean, H1N1 maybe came out right around then. But I don't think that nothing's ever really affected me. Not that any of this is affecting me at all, besides I can't buy toilet paper and or meat. <laughs> but I think it was just I'm able to like put it in the context of now, so, which is why I think it was so surprising. But I still didn't care about any of that. <laughs> so there was a lot of anxiety built up to this movie. A lot of talk in our group chat about uh, needing Xanax to watch this movie. At the end of the day, did this scare you? Hell yeah. <laughs> this shit was terrifying. It's crazy because I didn't think it was terrifying when I first saw it. It was like, oh my gosh, nerve-wracking. Every time you saw, it was like one where you just saw her shit pass it on at the end and you were like, damn. Or like there's another point where someone's like literally coughing in their hand and then touching the railing. And I'm like, I cringe at that on a normal day. But I'm definitely <laughs> cringing knowing that he straight up was next to like patient zero. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, this is so cringy. So cringy and so terrifying in my opinion. I was already scared. I wasn't scared by this movie. I was just scared I, I just am scared which is a little off brand for me even though i'm the cowardly creeper like scared of life is not on brand for me but um <laughs> here we are i i wasn't frightened by this movie but it's just so relevant like it it just it's almost eerie when you're watching it how relevant it is and like how things are following the same script and you're just like okay this is great everything's okay i feel that super strongly i'm not super scared of can you know catching something right now per se because you know i wash my hands already about twenty thousand times a day and then this has only amplified that a little bit more but I, what i find more frightening is like how humans act when they're when they're scared or when they're scared that they won't be able to get the things that they think they might need and we're already seeing this i mean grocery store shelves are completely empty my cousin works at a works at a store where they brought 
like I don't I don't even know if it was like a full pallet. They were just bringing stuff from the back, and before they could even stock it on the shelves, customers were coming up and just taking it off. And so when I and I think when we see like society break down in a movie like this, right now we're not super concerned, but like it only shows it just shows you a little glimpse of like what's to come if things gets if things get worse. Who is not super concerned? Well, I mean. I'm not. I'm not concerned. They're going to start breaking glass and stuff. Yeah, we're not at breaking in houses. We're yet. We're not breaking in the houses. We're not breaking into the stores yet. But we know that people Don't can and that. will get there. That's that's a terrifying part. Yeah, this movie shows how it can just gently go from like just a dad to like oh the, well the dad oh my neighbors are at home well, let me go see what's in their house. <laughs> that is the scary part. Yeah, I mean that that's the part that like frightens me more than anything. I mean, sure, like buying all the toilet paper just because is kind of like a douchey move. I mean, there's some of us who might have three rolls at home right now amen which is fine don't don't judge us i'm not i got a bidet in the mail it's headed to me it's fine you got to upgrade your poop game just saying <laughs> take a shower <laughs> just take, take a shower. shower there you go you want that cool refreshing clean that's all i'm saying spread eagle <laughs> oh, Jesus. but it is it is highly concerning to like think about like if things were to get worse like they could and probably will what could eventually happen but i don't think we're going to get to this point Unless things like drastically change, I think we're we have a lot of preventative measures in place right now, which is going to keep us from hitting this kind of level of stupidity, thankfully. But already, I mean, it's pretty annoying that you can't go in and get some bread and some like ham right now at the grocery store. I mean, I got three bags for you if you need it. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't go that crazy. I just got enough groceries for two weeks, pretty much. There you go. It's pretty normal. Maybe another week after that. Yeah. And maybe enough water to last me until next year. But we're all good. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> all right. So Alexis is going to set up her own little convenience store on the merch store. Now you can't <laughs> price gouge, but you can sell it back at the price you bought it for. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. And hold on. There will be hacker slash merchandise available if anyone wants to stop by. <laughs> Slap a hacker slash sticker on top of the water bottle of toilet paper. And that's how we'll get our podcast now. <laughs> there you go. We figured it out. <laughs> or the ham. Hammer slash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was having this really interesting conversation with my girlfriend the other day and we're talking about like varying levels of fear and concern over a situation like this and then especially as it relates to you know the things that happen in this movie. I have found that back like you I wouldn't be concerned. You know, when I lived in Virginia, I was off on my own. I had you guys and that was it. And I realized that if something happened to me, okay, cool. Well, I'm relatively young. I have a pretty good immune system. I'll be okay. But then I realized, like, I moved home to take care of my 65-year-old mother who's uninsured, and we don't have the resources to get proper medical care if something were to happen. So I find that now my train of thought is not for me. It's for my mom. The many people who live in the uh, you know lower-income area and portion of Miami that I live in who don't have access to resources, and I think that is what's scary. I think that is the kind of fear that this movie highlights and brings to life. And if you stop to think beyond your economic situation, if you look at people who are in different brackets than you, then there's a lot of fear that can really come about. But I will say, though, that this movie, for as wild of a ride as it takes you on, wraps up in an interesting way, albeit tragic. Uh, I think this is one that I don't think there could possibly be a happy ending for. Like, there's a more hopeful ending, sure. But at the end of the day, you know, I think when you look back on on the road that it took to get there, it's like almost like bittersweet. You know what I mean? 
I could see that. Yeah, I mean, like, once uh, all those people are gone, you know, like, things just change. Like, if we're talking about in the movie, one in 12 people at some point they said getting it, or and then one in four dying, like, that's a lot of people that are going to be lost. So there's no, like, wrapped up happy ending for this that could that could really be, you know, an annoying cliche happy ending in the movie. It just doesn't work. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys in that the human behavior element of this was really the most fearful the way we people react in a situation like this. But compared to what we have going on right now, like with the coronavirus, I felt like this virus was much more terrifying um, because of how like powerful and how like lethal it was across the board. Um, so it kind of reassured me in a way that I was like, oh, well, we don't have it this bad like they do in the movie. And we mm-hmm. seem to be handling what we do have going on much better than they handled it in the movie. So it actually kind of alleviated some of the fear for me, which I was expecting to have the opposite effect after watching it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, then how did you feel about the ending? The ending, um, I kind of liked it. It was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie was the ending. The very, you mean like the very, very end? Yeah. Yeah. I love a good conclusive kind of bow on top mm-hmm. that they kind of finished it with. The ending before the ending, I wasn't so into. Ah, yes. The classic ending before the <laughs> ending. The pre-ending <laughs> to the ending that comes before the ending. The pre-end, if you will. Yeah, the pre-ending. I wasn't so into that, but um, kind of the way they tied it all up and explained everything that I felt needed to be explained was satisfying. The ending, I think, is one of the most memorable parts of this movie. Definitely. And one of just one of my, like like you, one of my favorite parts. It is so well executed and so kind of in line with how they do visually other things in the movie that I think it's just like such a perfect conclusion to everything that they just showed you. It just like really kind of like falls in line with kind of how they show things earlier in the movie and then they kind of follow up a little bit more in the middle of the movie. And then you have your hated ending before the ending. And then when you finally get to the last part, it's like someone just wrote the most perfect cursive happy birthday on the cake. (laughs) Man, that's, I, I can feel that. Yeah, I think it was a great, you know, like tie with Bo, which is kind of funny because normally I don't like movies like that. Mm. Yeah. But I think so much like a disaster happened that you're like, okay, this is the best way for it to be like a happy-ish ending. At least they found something in the end for, you know, everyone without giving spoilers to like, you know, wrap it up. But I still, I don't know. I kind of appreciate that for this. Yeah. It's like it, it fits the way they shot this movie well. One thing that I think is really interesting about this movie and the way it depicts certain things is you can look at what's happening today and you can think about like mortality rates, right? And people are like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal or it's a hoax or this or that. But at the end of the day, you know, despite whatever you may think or believe or perceive about this situation, the fact is that people have died from something. Right? Those are human beings that are no longer on the earth. Uh, those are people who, you know, you may not be in the demographic that is susceptible, but you are somebody who was somebody's grandparent or somebody's mother, father, brother, sister, daughter is no longer here. And I think what this movie does really well is convey that emotion and really just, you know, pinpoint that tragedy that can sometimes get lost in the figures that we see in media or the figures that we hear in reports when we talk about how things like this spread. So what I think this movie does best above all else is just, you know, show the, show the human element of all this. But there's a lot to say and there's a lot that we have to get to in our second half of the episode because, man, even the first 15 minutes of this movie is nuts. But uh, let's go ahead and start making our way towards that section. Alexis, 
<laughs> Good luck. How many people died in this movie? Well, if we want to go by total amount worldwide, we're going to go by 26 million. Holy shit. Mm. Wow. But when we're talking about the movie in general, some of the main characters, some of the scenes that you actually see, it's going to be eight deaths. Eight to 26 million. I know. Big jump. But <laughs> we got there in a matter of I'm not even sure how long this took. An hour and a half. And that's exactly what I'm saying, right? 26 million is such a large number you can't identify with, but then you saw, all of a sudden you hear eight, and it's eight people you spent time with in the movie, and that's tough. Yeah, it went from, you know, one, then eight, those, you know, the, the eight people you do know, and then it went to 26 million. So you see, what is it? What do they call it? The, uh, the R-naught? R-naught, yes, that uh, R-naught. That R-naught was high. It was like four or something. All right, and Ryan, of all the deaths in this movie, how many of them were animals? This is a complicated question. None of the deaths in the movie were animals, but there are some situations involving animals, but in me, we're not going to feel bad about it. <laughs> all right, folks, well, let's go ahead and start getting into our ratings. Contagion from the year 2011, was it a hack or a slash? So I'll go first. This movie is not perfect, but it's a slash. Like, I think outside of this time period, it's a good movie right now. It's a good movie. I don't recommend it if you have heart problems or um, <laughs> anxiety of literally any degree, but this is like a really good watch. I think it's something where if you don't even care about what's happening as far as like the, the illness and everything, just watching human behavior, which I think is really interesting all the time. And I think it's fairly accurate. Like it, you see the way these little things progress. And so, yeah, it's a slash. And I too give this a slash. I think it's funny to, cause I never categorize this as a horror movie, but like kind of is in this point of time. Um, but I think it's also scary. It gives you like, you know, if you want that scary feeling during this sort of time, this outbreak, I hear 12 monkeys is great. I think it also is kind of, I know this probably does not have very many like facts in it. I'm sure, but you know, it makes you think about like how many times when I touch my face, especially it's a little bit more informative for me during this sort of time. It's scary, but also informative. Three out of the five of us right now are touching our faces. I know, right? <laughs> I'm not one of them. I'm doing it more on Well, purpose. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a nail biter. So this has been <laughs> all hell for me because I'm like, Jen, take your fucking hand out of your mouth, Alexis. <laughs> like... But um, yeah, so that's why I definitely would give this a slash. I think it just comes from, it can be a horror movie in certain perspectives, but it can also be formative. And I just love the way this movie is filmed. It just gives off a structural procedural vibe that I, I really enjoy from this. I think the virus must be spreading because I am also going to give this a slash. <laughs> oh, gosh. You guys oh. gave it to me. The slash virus. The, the movie's great. I mean, visually stunning. Acting's amazing. Star-studded cast, as you guys have mentioned. And watching it for me, very just very engaging movie. It is a bit procedural, but I think that was on purpose. They really wanted to make a realistic, you know, a, appearing movie. And, and I think they were successful in, in doing that. We're going to get to some of the facts or otherwise in, in fact or fiction later. And I'm, I'm, you know, can't wait to get to that point. But uh, there was, I mean, there's just like so many tiny little details that were awesome to see on screen. So total slash. I never thought I'd say this, but I think I'm immune to the slash virus. I'm giving this one a hack. <laughs> for me, it committed one of like the biggest sins a movie can commit. I was very bored for most of it. The first 15 minutes, really thrilling. Like you guys said, it showcased like how 
kind of gross we as humans can be and how things like this spread so quickly in doing just matter of fact things we do on a daily basis. But after that, it took a really slow turn for me building up and kind of having everybody explore what this is going to look like and what impact this is going to have. And then the intensity of the impact of it sort of peaked in the middle and the peak wasn't even that satisfying. Like I wanted it to go further and then it just kind of slowly wrapped up in a really matter of fact, practical kind of way. Do you want everyone to die? Is that what would have made you happy? <laughs> you just wanted an empty planet? No, the Much zombies. Worse. This is the zombies. prequel to Wally. Extinction level event or bust. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I guess because of what people have been saying about it, I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was. And then I also felt like the acting, like the actors themselves weren't given enough time with their characters to give me a performance that made me forget that I was like watching Kate Winslet or like watching Marion Coltyard. So the whole time I was just like, oh, no, Kate Winslet's doing this and Lawrence Fishburne's doing that. So it didn't really take me to that level of immersion that I was hoping for either. Interesting. So I can give you one thing and one thing only there. I can agree with you about the performances to one extent, and that was Matt Damon. He was the only emotionless robot that I could really feel, <laughs> save for one scene. And it wasn't even that he showed the right emotion. I was just imagining that dialogue being spoken from literally anybody else. I'm like, ooh, yeah, I could feel that hypothetically if this was another actor. <laughs> but that was not enough to, to hack this movie for me at all. This is 100% a slash Paris, and I'm deeply concerned by how much more anarchy you could want from the millions of deaths in this movie. <laughs> this is the highest body count we've ever had in a movie. It's literally 26 million oh, it it's actually a lot of people oh that death was so boring <laughs> i was bored oh my gosh oh my gosh someone got hit by a bus bored <laughs> even that was so casual oh my gosh this movie is incredible because while it's a slow burn it's still a burn and one of the scariest things is something that's happening slowly and is also unstoppable because even though, you know, like we talked about, like this movie has some sort of conclusion, the the route and the path that you take to get there is still harrowing. I think if you looked at any kind of zombie movie and thought, wow, man, that's so it's so cool. I love this shit because it shows how people would react. This is that in a more realistic way with a virus that is uncontrollable and has roots in actual viruses that have happened in our world. So there it is. It's a slash for me. All right. Like if if there's anything that shines about this movie even more, it, it is this. And it is the fact that there is a quote from a character who is, uh, you know, kind of staying off a conspiracy theory. Another character asks, like, where'd you hear that? He's like, the Internet. <laughs> and that shows how we're in the situations that we can get ourselves into today when something like this happens. That is why it's scary. But there you have it, folks. Contagion from 2011 has four slashes one hack which i mean i guess it is fair because matt damon did suck pretty bad in this movie <laughs> if you find yourself isolated over the next few weeks and looking for something to watch check it out then join us in the second half so we can all talk about the spoilers together we'll see you in a bit don't spend four dollars renting this movie dearest listeners if you would like information about coronavirus slash covid19 Head to www.cdc.gov slash coronavirus. All right, welcome back. Contagion from 2011 uh, struck four out of the five of us with the slash and one remained immune, giving it a hack. 
Before we get into why Paris rated this a hack, uh, Alexis, what's up with that gore score? I'm not sure what's uh, more gory, like a slasher from the 80s or like seeing this lady on this stoop waiting for uh, Jude Law's character to give her some for Cynthia or whatever that was. And her, she had like chalky lips, oh. sunken eyes. Oh my goodness. And there was like a white patch of skin too. Ah, uh, yeah. I'm like, mm, girl, you look like you've been doing something else. But, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because she had just had her seizure. So she was probably foaming. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the excuse they use. It was very gross. Yeah. So I think this is, I mean... To me, it's not gory in that sort of sense, like an 80s slasher, like blood, but it is pretty intense for the, the kills you do see. You know, Gwyneth Paltrow's character who goes into a seizure and then all that sort of foaming at the mouth and all of that. And then the guy who, you know, is like, he's on the street. I think he was like the like waiter. And he's like, like, you just see the sweat. And I'm going to tell you, the only other thing I felt like you could feel it and you could see it because it reminds me of like in Bridesmaids when the girls had to go to the bathroom. And you know you've been in that sort of situation before. I turn Has that, everyone? I turned that movie off during yeah. that scene. No. Yes. I've seen Bridesmaids. I know the situation. I've never been there myself. Though. You never had a shit so bad that like, you're sweating. Oh, I turned I turned the movie off when that scene happened. Yeah. <laughs> I can't handle it. I'm with you, Alexis. That's happened. When there's like no toilet that's like serviceable in sight and you just like are about to die. Yeah, and <laughs> you ate something bad probably, and like it's like it's either the end or the front? <laughs> Why did I just admit to this on a podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're human and it's okay. It's okay to have to poop. I regret this immediately. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I'm going into potty humor right now. Because not... you can feel the fever in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's what it, it is. I think yes. it's just this like, ugh, like nasty sort of not gore, but just like gross and disgusting feel when you see some of these people and some of the things that they're doing. So that's how I feel like it's not, not a really low gore score, but, you know, very squeamish, very like disgusting, like nasty germy things. Yeah. What about when they opened up Gwyneth Paltrow's head? Oh, yeah. That was actually my favorite scene. <laughs> they like didn't pull away from that autopsy. No, not at all. And the expression on her face was like so ridiculous. The moment they cut to that, I actually laughed so hard out loud. And I was like, they're just scalping Gwyneth Paltrow right here. Like, this is fully Gwyneth Paltrow, not even her character, just getting scalped on a table. Oh my gosh. You didn't even give him a chance. I didn't. <laughs> With Gwyneth Paltrow, there was a little there was little she could do for me. Which I found surprising because I actually used to like Gwyneth Paltrow. And I know that the times have turned on her. I don't know when. I don't know how. I just know universally people dislike her now but that flap man oh god that was rough that was rough to look at as soon as it came down i was like i feel smell i don't dislike her she's just not hard to take seriously <laughs> did anyone get any saw vibes because i definitely had and it's, yes. it's saw <laughs> two or three i think it's three, three where they cut his head open yeah yeah that shit three. is when you just hear that i mean like my teeth hurt mm-hmm. <sighs> when i hear that grinding Ugh. i think it's a blood pop that did it for me and they pulled off the, you know. Oh, it was the, like, oh, yeah, but just like sprayed onto their masks, yeah. you know? It's like, oh. Yeah. The deaths where they were just like had their seizure and staring out, like especially the kids, um, it, those were pretty intense to me. Like those were things where they didn't have to focus on that scene for so long. And it's it's not gory, but it it sits with you. Like it's like, dang, this is intense. Because it's so realistic too. Yeah. And like, you're just, it's just like there. And then it just keeps escalating and you, you know, call 911 and they're like, if you need a body removal, dial nine. <laughs> it's like, jeez. <laughs> what have we come to at this point? 
there's something so traumatic about just the gaze of that, that you just get from a dead body. Like it's just, the eyes are open, it's just done. Like there's no life in those eyes, and it's so unsettling to see. Even within the gore in this movie, there's one thing that disgusted me the most. And I know this is going to sound really silly, but it was the crustiness of the lips uh, yes. that they were really focusing on, like the woman on the bus when she died. Ugh. Yeah, those are really, really gross. But that's it's that's that thing. It's not gore, but it's like, I can't deal with it. I mean, the whole first 15 minutes was just Gwyneth Paltrow touching everything in sight and just like coughing <laughs> into the open air. So I feel like that was really horrific. Also, who the fuck <laughs> eats bar nuts? Ew, no. Ugh. White people. Nobody anymore. They did a really good job using like depth of field to focus on how nasty some of the things are we do every day. Yeah, these seemingly mundane things, but here we are being gross humans. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the movie, how they were able to kind of highlight these small things. And like every time that, they, I mean, they would just like show someone touching a door handle who had just coughed and you're just like, oh, good, gross. And like, yeah. it's not that gross. Someone just touched a door handle, which is not necessarily disgusting in any way. But because of like the, the context, you're just sitting there like squirming, like, oh, someone please come sanitize that. And it's mm-hmm. also yeah. like, as they have those sick people traveling through and showing everything they've touched, you just think about like, oh, I've walked on a subway and you don't think about like the people that were on it before you. Oh, I definitely do. I came <laughs> back from New York City and thought I had lice for two, for like a, not two weeks, but like a week. Just bed bugs. This is exactly why I'll never go to New York City. But it's everything. <laughs> it's walking up a set of steps and you grab the handrail. And you don't think about it. You don't even realize that you grab the handrail every time. So I was in Nashville this weekend and I spent the entire, every single place we went, I was like, oh, why do I grab handrails? I have balance. Like I'm an adult. I can walk. I don't need that. (laughs) There's just, there's all these things that you do and you don't think about like what's been done to them before you. (laughs) And you have a little bit of that, like, you know, like, I don't know, just like detail kind of focus going on where you're like, oh, why am I doing that? Maybe I shouldn't. But think about how many people don't have that yes. who literally just like coughed on themselves and just like wiped it on their pants before like shaking your hand or touching your shoulder. Right. Which the most cringy thing was the chef who was cutting the pig and then just like wiped it on that like Which napkin super, on him or something. Super realistic. And walked out. And I was like, no shit. <laughs> yep. Serious question. Why are wet markets a thing? The world has the same question. Why are wet markets still a thing? I mean, like, is it like a lack of infrastructure or is there like a reason for it to exist in such a way. Freshness. I don't, I don't feel it. I mean, I heard at these, they sell everything, right? Like any imaginable like animal you could eat. I mean, I guess it depends on the country and the market you're talking about. But right. if, 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 there's some, if someone's going to eat it, they're going to sell it. As like a yeah. bonus tidbit from you girl, Ryan, okay? If you guys get a chance, listeners, Google gutter oil, which is... Uh, like type of reclaimed oil, but like there's some sources that are questionable that a lot of street food that some street food is cooked in, not in America, but just for fun, it's it's maybe the most disgusting thing you've ever heard of, and it involves fatbergs. And if you know what those are, that's how disgusting it is. But that's just a tidbit. It, that's a little nugget for you guys if you want to be grossed out right now, as I'm sure you already are in life. I'm looking it up right now, and I am grossed out. Oh, God. <laughs> like Between this and between Max sharing the video of the coronavirus challenge where someone's licking an airplane toilet seat, I think I've been sufficiently <laughs> grossed out tonight. Thanks. Yes, we can all bathe in Clorox. A question for you, Alexis. Which death in this movie was the biggest one for you? I think it was when we followed the waiter around because um, you necessarily don't know the context or what's going on. And 
I mean, you just see it. You see the sweats, you see the like fever, you see the disorientation. And, you know, it's really the first, I mean, the first someone who's extremely symptomatic that you're seeing in the first like 15 minutes. And it's super terrifying. And the next thing you know, he just runs right in to the uh, to the bus because he's so disoriented. And it's just, and it's just crazy. I think that's just what set it off. Um, but the most, the saddest death of them all, besides all 26 million, let's go there, but <laughs> was Mirrors. Because Homegirl was just trying to literally help us all and figure out where this came from and ended up dying for it. Yeah, she was good. We appreciated her. And trying to give a cold patient in need her jacket. And that was her last moment. Oh, my God. I think I'm going to cry. See, this is the problem. She also, like, worked her ass off for the entire movie. And then at the end, while she was dying, she was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't finish the work. I thought that was like a big Capricorn vibe. <laughs> I was just going to jokingly be like, see, nice guy finishes last. But this is not what I want to spread in the world. I really <laughs> want us all to be nice to each other and help each other and give shirts. But, you know, th there's a risk. There's a risk involved. I think her death was the heaviest for me. I think one of the saddest ones was a little boy in the beginning. Yeah. You know, who the only thing he did wrong was hug his mother. And that's really, really sad. And I think what's crazy is when you look at like the the scope of this, we're talking about like, the chef wiping his hands and all that, that quote where it says, um, somewhere in the world, the wrong pig met up with a wrong bat. And it's so nuts that something so small can wreak so much havoc in our world. Yeah. Can I tell you um, my favorite theoretical death that didn't happen that I wish had happened in this movie. Oh, wow. Go ahead on that one. <laughs> Dude, I hate Jude Law's character. Yes. Uh -huh. It's so annoying. Mm. You guys know I'm not like the same type of movie person that you guys are. So like actors and stuff, generally, I don't have a lot of feelings about them individually, like hating certain actors and stuff like that. Not a lot anyway. Um, So I don't feel anything about Jude Law, but his character, like, it's like so indicative of what I feel like internet culture is now. Like yes, everyone yes. thinks they're smarter and they're, listen, there's some, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and I'm not saying that none of them are right. I'm just saying a lot of them sound stupid <laughs> and it, it just, this character, I was like, please shut up. I want you to be gone. You look stupid walking around with a puffy shirt on. I don't understand what the shirt was for. <laughs> Shoulders are not contagious. I don't understand what that was, but <laughs> I just wanted him to go. Faking his illness mm -hmm. to, and, and you know, to let people think that there's some kind of treatment. Also, I wrote down a lot of quotes in this movie. Favorite quote directed to him uh, from our boy Ian, the American hero from San Francisco. Blogging is not writing, it's graffiti with punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. Also, I feel like every conspiracy theorist has a shitty website. Do you guys feel like yeah. that? Oh, oh, yeah. His website was the worst. <laughs> you haven't made it as a conspiracy theorist if you don't have a shitty website. If you go on Squarespace, which this episode is not brought to you by, <laughs> if you go on Squarespace, you're going to have a good website. No one's going to take you seriously. You're only taken seriously if you made that shit yourself on WordPress and it's like <laughs> circa 1995 design. So true. <laughs> Yo, but he had that live video plugin. It was literally called Truth Serum Now. He did have that live video. Oh, gosh. I can't. I just couldn't. I don't. I don't want to be a part of it. I think it's really cool, though, because you have essentially like two different plots going on. You'll have this one where the yeah. pandemic's going and then you have the one brought to you by Jude Law's character who's bringing this 
panic, which we see a lot. Like they had the satanic panic and now there's the coronavirus panic for sure. I'm sure that's going on or people will probably say I'm not, but I am a victim of it. So uh. <laughs> yeah, I think that there will be some things and I hope that they say on a very small scale, but there'll be things where people find somebody that's saying something they agree with and they start following them and, and following things that they're recommending and stuff. And I hope that it doesn't put yeah. people in danger. You know? And I think it just shows who you pay attention to. So if he's this person that everyone's looking for, you know, it makes you think I'm like, like to me, if my dad texted me, I go by what my dad said, unless he said yeah. something absurd. The lesson is trust no one. Yeah. <laughs> think for yourself as an adult. His character was the worst. Yeah, when they first introduced him, I wasn't sure like which side he was on because I thought they were just discrediting him because he was like, print media is dead. Like the internet is how people are going to consume media. And I was like, oh, that's pretty fair. Like, I guess at that time we still weren't <laughs> taking like the internet seriously. Um, but then as they developed, I was like, oh no, Jude Law's insane. And he's like using his <laughs> 21 million followers to like really enact some some havoc mm, in a situation yeah. like this. Don't trust people that recite their number of followers ever. <laughs> ever i'm sorry he didn't even say followers he said unique visitors which, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he was just a dangerous idiot also was that a fake tooth that he had yes yeah that's horrible does he not just have fucked up teeth i thought he had fucked up teeth i didn't remember oh, him having teeth. fucked up teeth which is why i was like that dead tooth in the front seems suspicious well you're not a conspiracy theorist unless you have fucked up teeth too jeez <laughs> this movie really lays it on thick he reminded me of so many people doing the exact same thing right now about coronavirus. Like trolling? Like just severely. Sort of, yeah. I mean, they just had some like Fox News host get reduced from a primetime spot for saying stupid things like this. On the news? Yeah, like oh legit saying that the coronavirus thing was like a hoax. But like this, like every time that he's on screen, I'm just thinking Alex Jones with Jude Law's face. <laughs> That's it's that's crazy. Yeah, there's like so many things being posted on social media and people's parents and, and relatives like sharing it because they like want to believe it. But it's like, no, there's scientific fact. OK, there's that. There's just like that real stuff. And then there's all this junk that you're just like subscribing to. Yeah, I think the most important moral of this story and, and any story, you know, whether it be a virus that's you know, making its way around the world or some of the more harrowing events that you see in our history it's just to do your research and keep an open mind. While it's really easy to be susceptible to misinformation, you know, I think sometimes we we tend to go with the immediacy of the information in front of us instead of taking a moment to apply our critical thinking skills. And I think this movie shows the dangers of that. That does not mean going along with uh, 5G conspiracies. That that doesn't count <laughs> as thinking for yourself, okay? Yeah, you're right. You're right. What did you guys like about this movie visually? Gwyneth Paltrow getting scalped. Wow. <laughs> you are just not holding back Paris. Please go on. Why? That's so it was, brutal. That's it was, brutal. I, I didn't feel brutal to me. It felt comedic. Just the expression they had on her face, like her tongue was kind of sticking out. She truly looked gooped. I was just dying when it happened. What is gooped? Does she have a product called Goop? No, yeah, that's also her website. What is that? It's like a wellness brand, which is really ironic how she was able to launch that being patient zero of this movie. That is hilarious. <laughs> and then they open up her brain and they're like shocked at what they see, but they don't actually show it. And I'm like, what is it? Just like empty? Like what's in there? <laughs> Call everyone. It's just junk at that point. It just like melted. What I really noticed visually, and it was just visually great watching this, but I think what really stuck out to me, especially looking at the like, you know, 
thinking back at it was it seemed very like geometrically like sound like a lot of corners a lot of straight lines a lot of that like I don't know I just when I'm looking back that's really I mean not that's not all I remember clearly but that's what stuck out to me which I think helped follow this like okay a day one day two day three day four day five kind of plot which I thoroughly enjoyed so I think for me when I think about this movie I think like I I feel gray like I think of gray and everything is like it, it just starts it just declines in such a nice way and I love the way we've already talked about it's kind of uh like step by step and i think that's perfect for what they're doing because i think you can do movies about you know a zombie apocalypse and all this stuff but the steps of a realistic spread of a disease which as we see is absolutely plausible it's just so so nice to see it work that way and then everything gets gray and dark and they're trying to get the food out of the trucks and all these things and everything starts to be desolate and that's that progression is really really nice to see oh yeah i mean the 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 work they did with like color grading was fantastic the shots they use the depth of field the way they aligned things up i mean they legit could have been making a documentary, I feel like, with kind of how they shot everything. And it worked so well for making it seem yeah. deliberately, I feel like, procedural. Deliberately, like, this is just real life. Just, you know, shown with drama. But, oh my god, like, everything about it visually. I know it can be, it can, might seem boring to some. <laughs> but I just, I just found it enthralling, to be honest. Because it wasn't trying to, like, glam it up at all. And it wasn't trying to, like, be overly dramatic with it. It was just enough, like, human-based kind of feeling to the movie i loved just the little like clips we would get of showing the like the viral handoffs where they would like zoom in you would you'd be able to see that moment and then boom here's exactly when they, and it would freeze frame it as they're looking through like the security tapes and everything and that like segment was so well done that was so cool to see and that warmth they everything in china was very warm toned mm-hmm. and yeah like red before it spread and, lot yeah lots yeah. of reds a lot of warmth life drinking partying Everything changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Matt Damon was shot exclusively with a blue filter because his life was just cold and sad. (laughs) Yeah. Very Midwest and behind glass. (laughs) Poor guy. Wife cheats on him, then uh, dies. Real stand up gal that uh, that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. (laughs) I just thought it was so happily like he was at this conference and then I figured out, oh, she planned it. I'm like, damn, even when she was coughing, like, (laughs) or actually she didn't, but. She wasn't coughing at the time she called him. Mm-hmm. She made a lot of choices. My favorite moment in this movie comes when uh, Kate Winslet has tracked down the man who picked her up from the airport. And this guy's like at the bus stop, freaking out, kind of like getting in and out of consciousness. And all you see is her running from the car, bringing the mask and putting it over his face. And I don't know why that image in particular has just stuck with me, but it was so beautifully shot. Just seeing it drift from, uh, from, um, you know, from the background into the foreground, coming into clearer focus, and then just darkness. It was just, it was so beautiful. Was there a moment in this movie that maybe didn't stand out to you guys visually, but emotionally? There's a shot, it's almost an aerial shot, um, where you see them, I mean, this is kind of middle, the end of the epidemic, but um, when they're putting the bodies, they're just tossing them in the ground. And it's like, you think about it, a lot of people get a lot of closure from like going and going to a funeral. And, you know, sometimes people want to see the body beforehand and, you know, like all that sort of stuff. But there's some, you get some sort of closure in that. This, the body gets whisked away, either buried in a mass grave or burned, which I think is like super sad because, you know, all these people that 
but I mean, their lives are tragically already lost and then their bodies aren't kind of like they're just being disposed of. Yeah. And it's kind of wild that this stuff happens like these days, mass graves, inability to bury. I mean, things like when we had like Ebola outbreaks, like this is the kind of steps they have to take because they literally just can't come into contact with those bodies. It says my family can relate uh, to an extent. My great grandfather was the chief of national police in Cuba during the Cuban Revolution, and he was assassinated via firing squad. And his body was just dumped anonymously in a grave that's unmarked. And to this day, my family don't know where don't you know they don't know where he is, and that is a lack of closure there. I cannot imagine that feeling to the scale of twenty six million people. Yeah, and something like relating to that scene is is that is one of my favorite things about this movie is like the casual conversation and it's so true like in that scene they're sitting there and they're saying you know when did we run out of body bags like how long ago and there's another scene where they're in the lab and they're you know talking about how uh, they're talking about what they're working on and then they're like oh and how was your thanksgiving you know, yeah. and that's real. Like that's, that's the, that human connection thing. Like we are going to go through all these things. And before we get to the point of like, you know, breaking into each other's houses and shooting people and holding them hostage and stuff like that, we're going to be dealing with these like very serious situations, but we're still humans and we don't know how, how to handle them. And we, you know, ask each other how our weekend was in this, at the same time as these things are going on. And that's, that's, that's super real. And I love that in this movie. Deep cuts with Ryan. <laughs> I think emotionally, the the scene where Matt Damon, Matt Damon's character at least, finds out that his wife like cannot be buried, like that is hard on its own. But then he has to like explain it to his mother in law. That that's really hard because like he just had to internalize that, and then imagine like having to then explain that to another member of the family. Just be like, no, they can't. They can't. They won't take her. And she's like, try. And he's like, no, they won't do it. They can't do it. He's having to like pretend as if he's accepted it when he's still trying to accept it in that moment. That was kind of dumb for me. Like he really wanted like an open casket viewing and everything. And I was like, (laughs) your wife is like patient zero for this huge disease. You should really be able to understand why you can't do that. Like maybe do a cremation, maybe have an urn. I don't know. But he was maybe because I have never lost a wife to a viral outbreak. I can't relate to this, but I felt like his reactions were unconvincing and unrealistic from an outside viewpoint. That's because he lacks the emotional depth to portray anything of substance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah literally his daughter came up and like it was almost like she didn't care about her step parent or her stepmom and her stepbrother at all he was just like it's okay just go be with your mom and she was like no and he's just like no it's cool <laughs> like, yeah. everybody's dead it's cool you, man you, you know yeah you, get, you know soon real, real soon because you know yeah the daughter was a very cold girl. <laughs> His reaction in the hospital was good. No. With the doctors, when he first finds out yeah. and like he had like he can't like like his brain doesn't compute exactly what's happening. He's like, okay, so can I talk to her? Uh, the dialogue was good. Because he's like, so she did die. Like <laughs> the way they phrased it was so awkward. He's like, okay, so can I talk to her? I thought the dialogue and the performance were both bad in that scene. Specifically, oh. I remember watching that and being like, no, that's no one's ever. No. Nah, I feel like, like someone probably has. Also, your wife is dead. And he's like, okay, when do I get to see her? And he's like, so she's dead. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? She was right here. And I was like, no, it just wasn't. I wasn't cutting it. That's so realistic. Yes, your wife is in the cloud. <laughs> 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 wow. 
<laughs> you have to wait until you sink in order to see her again. Yeah, it needs to be plugged in. Make sure it's not on low power mode. She'll repopulate over Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when you say dead, you mean... No, I mean, I think, like, the suddenness of losing someone like that. Like, I'll never forget there's a day when, like, um, my grandfather was out cutting the yard in Puerto Rico and it was starting to rain on him and he ended up catching pneumonia. He ended up having a stroke. He ends up in the hospital. And my mom goes to visit him. He's She's there for, like, a couple weeks. And I remember being on the phone with her, hearing, yeah, he's going to be okay. They're going to transfer him to, him to the U.S. so he can get some better medical care. But everything, he's stable. I give the phone to my sister. Not seven minutes later, my grandfather's dead. And I couldn't believe that because I had just heard that he's okay. So I totally get him not responding in such a way. Like, I, I totally get him being shocked and unable to really process that. But again, Matt Damon just did not convince me. He just did not convince me. But, Parrish, you had some some qualms with some of the other performances in this movie. Who else disappointed you? Marion Coltyard was pretty flaccid. I felt uh, her motivation was kind of questionable throughout the whole thing. So she's, like, kidnapped by this, like, Chinese family so that they can use her as leverage to get a vaccine. And then they dupe the family and say, like, oh, well, here's your vaccine. Give us Marion Coltyard back. And then it turns out she that they were just given um, placebos. And so she just like picks up her bags, leaves the airport. And that's the last we see of her. That is annoying. It was odd. And I guess like maybe she got Stockholm syndrome. Like I get like she was like teaching those kids and she was like, well, like, yeah, those kids need help. But they also seem to be the most fine of anybody in the movie. They were like really like in some remote area, like living on a compound in the jungle. I was like, if anyone's not at risk, it seems to be everybody there. But they were the only ones left. What do you mean? They were the, there was the only people left in that in that um, village, and she cared about them. They were kids. They were cute. It was old people, women. They're, she just became a part of their community. I mean, they only gave her like one or two scenes actually showing that that connection was established you know so there's a lot of characters in this movie man she's there for months though she's there for months yeah it just didn't feel like it in in defense of paris i do think the like the the majority of this movie is a little bit boring like the the steps that are taken at the beginning to show us what is happening is really nice and then when we get to like bro I know we're going to talk about this, but the prom scene is, I I just, I could not have cared less. I couldn't have cared yeah, less about that I scene. Agree. And then even like basically everything involving the daughter and the boy, Andrew, <laughs> is just, there's, there are things that are just boring in this movie. I'm not going to lie. And I, I think part of that is because I've already seen it. And I think when I first saw it, I didn't feel that way, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I feel you Paris in some ways, but not so much to make it a hack, but there are some. There were some things where you could just sleep right through it. And in fact, I did. And I had to rewatch it. <laughs> I did actually fall asleep, too. And then I woke up and picked up where I left off. Man, you can take a good nap to this movie. Yeah, great nap movie. I would I give it a slash for napping. <laughs> no, during that final prom scene, because I really was could not have been less invested in the daughter as a character or that boy that was trying to kiss her, even though there was danger to that. So during that prom scene at the end, I literally wrote down, she needs to cough up blood and explode right now for this to get a slash. <laughs> horrible. Because it just ended so softly. It was so, it, it was real soft. And it was like, if the, if that last scene that is the end end wasn't there, this could have easily been a hack based on the ending of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that he wants to give her an experience, but like, we didn't spend enough time with that character for me to actually give a damn. You know what I really wanted to happen? When he picked up the camera and he's like going through pictures, I just wanted some like Chicago 
affair nasty pictures <laughs> yeah something like that i was waiting for too that way he's feeling all like sad like oh i miss her and it's just like doggy yeah, style that's what I was pissed. <laughs> yeah and then he goes back to the original that one photo i was like that ain't even a good photo but i wanted it to be revealed during that scene that like the guy that she had been cheating on him with was Lawrence fishburne's character or something like of that oh nature like to really bring it full circle, but it was. We are all connected in the great <laughs> circle of life. It's Gwyneth Paltrow's circle of influence. <laughs> what about you, Mac Alexis? Anything in this movie that stands out as part- particularly egregious to you in terms of like moments or characters? Did you also hate the ending? No, I didn't hate hate the ending. Although, so the the kind of the storyline with his family, like I feel like at a certain point could have just been dropped off and it would have been would have been okay. I don't think it made it bad though. I just think like they're letting us kind of see how it plays out for this this whole family, which which is fine. I, I don't consider it negative. I don't think it negatively impacted the film in any way, except for boring the two of you for those parts. But um, <laughs> I don't, I actually don't have many issues with this film. I, I truly think it's like a yeah, really totally solid agree. film. And there's a lot of details. I'm going to go into a couple of them during Factor Fiction, but there's like a lot of details, I think, um, that either they got right or that they just used it in a really smart way. And I was a fan of the acting, you know, for the most part. I mean, um, I'm, I don't hate Matt Damon. I don't know why you guys do, but yeah, same. Uh, I'm just like over here. Like, oh. no, it's, it's just me that hates him. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> I didn't care for him in this. I, you know, I think everyone in here did a really great, really great job, um, like portraying their characters. So I was, I don't, I don't think I could probably pick out anything that really bothered me about the film to be honest yeah nothing really bothered me either especially i think you know you're seeing everything on a different perspective you're seeing someone from um someone who needs to make decisions for our country who's the head of the cdc who has to like he's grappling with his own stuff but still has to be front and center trying to answer everyone's questions then you see like someone an epidemiologist Damn, that's a big word. Nailed it. (laughs) I know. I'm surprised I didn't stutter on that one. Um, So you see what they're going through in their life. And then you're just seeing these different people. So I think Matt Damon's whole storyline, I think for it to continue, I think it was good. Like, you know, this is the daily life of how these people are going to live. Like, oh, my gosh, like I hear something outside. Normally, you probably wouldn't go and see something your neighbor closed the door but this one now you're like okay is someone trying to loot is this or that or you know like they're in the grocery store um and then that lady's reaching for him that was a little dramatic because i don't think anyone would do that that was like (laughs) (laughs) that scene actually made me so angry and disgusted when he like turns the corner in the grocery store and she coughs in his face yeah (laughs) people are monsters they are and this is why (laughs) this thing is going around one of the many reasons probably alexis you pointed out the the noise at his neighbor's house and i will say that was one of my only like really good scenes with matt damon in it was when you when he's looking out into that yard and he you realize that they're gunshots that he's hearing and then seeing the flashes from that was so heartbreaking and also kind of terrifying. I thought this was going to go home invasion real fast. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to. I thought it was people suiciding themselves before the, obviously before the guys ran out. Oh, that was the closest the movie came to actually scaring me because obviously the human behavioral impact is 
the real thing to be afraid of in a time like this. Uh, I actually looked at my boyfriend. I was like, babe, do we have a gun? Like, if things ever get to this, do we own a gun? And I've never thought I would want a gun in my life. Do we own a gun? Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. I don't. If you're asking the question, the answer is no. <laughs> I know. It was no. So I might reconsider that. I have no idea. Not available on Amazon Prime. The main thing that really just prevented this from being a slash for me was how predictable it was. And it was, like we said, it's, it was very sequential, very plausible, very realistic, which lended itself to being a little bit more frightening. Uh, but living through something like that currently, it feels less threatening in our life, in our situation than it does in the film. And then even as they got to the edge of like people looting and like the people like robbing somebody's house when they have guns and things, I wanted it to keep going and like just watch the world collapse, I guess. But they like went right to the edge and then came back and we're like, now here's a vaccine and now we're going to distribute the vaccine and now Matt Damon's daughter's going to have a prom and then the movie's going to be over. I think you wanted a little bit more of like an, a, 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 fictional story and i feel like this is super grounded in in at least some amount of realism and that's yes. why you're unhappy paris yes i wanted this to be like a worst case scenario of what could happen today yeah that's world war z <laughs> exactly uh. or train to busan <laughs> allow us to introduce you to our collection of zombie movies we reviewed on the podcast yeah <laughs> train to busan <laughs> we can make a, a playlist for you can we talk about the doctor who discovered the vaccine i thought she was gonna kill herself i thought she was like you know what this is it and she's just gonna like inject herself with that like random vaccine hoping she gets the virus and dies but then she's like hey dad remember when you told me that that scientist did this thing well i'm doing it now cough on me and let's see that was a bold move apparently it's tradition for a lot of doctors really yeah when they were like putting the vaccine in with uh like the sars and the other vaccines you know that we actually have what i really thought was gonna happen is they were gonna go in and walk past the monkey and they were just gonna walk by and he would be dead after they'd given it to all these people that would have been a great twist oh yeah it was a very small sample size one monkey, we can bank all of humanity on we, it. Yeah. One monkey lived. We're good. But what if that monkey was just the Matt Damon of monkeys? Exactly. Like, what if <laughs> she was also saying. immune and that's why she didn't die? And she was like, yep, this vaccine worked for me. So mass distribution. <laughs> they could have they could have gone that route. I think, you know, they, they, they share the vaccine. A lot of people have it. And then the monkey's dead and everything goes wrong. And then it's a zombie movie after that. And then we find out that Planet of the Apes, uh, the reboot, is just the sequel to this movie. <laughs> oh my god i would love that <laughs> this could be also, the prequel to a lot of movies yes absolutely it also reminded me of the faculty because it was it me or were they administering it like through the nose yes yeah, yeah. they were taking that scat was the vaccine cocaine it was liquid <laughs> cocaine really was it a needle N- no it's like oh, a no. i think it was like a flu shot kind of thing like, you yeah. know how you can do the nasal in one? Fruit? I've never had a nasal vaccine. Yeah, it's the only way I did it in the Navy. It was, it's uncomfortable. Oh. So wait, that is actually a thing then? Yeah. Nasal vaccines? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think I would prefer that because I actually hate needles. Oh, there you go. Now we've, uh, now we've taught you. All right. Yeah. Don't say you didn't learn anything on Hacker Slash. <laughs> I actually learned so much on this podcast. Fantastic. I have one more person that I really wish would have expired in this movie. And I don't know that she did. It's that terrible lady who was uh, just the Debbie Downer of the whole situation when Kate Winslet shows up in Minnesota. And uh, she's uh, at the onslaught of questions 
we don't even know what this is and we don't know this and like what about the economy and the money and then like when they're trying to stage this area and they're looking at this arena or the stadium she's like is this coming out of your budget or ours it's like go fuck yourself lady go fuck yeah, yourself people, people are dying right now yeah i hated her too she's like this is the biggest shopping weekend of the year i was like bitch get some perspective but i mean that's but that's also so realistic because that's the yes. stuff we're literally going through right now where they're like, hey, don't meet in large groups of like over like 100 and preferably not over 50. And then like, you know, shopping malls are like, well, you know, there's a lot of money to be made right now. Just and saying. didn't a congressman recently say, yeah, go out this weekend and stimulate that economy? I don't know. I just got nine for 32 underwear at Victoria's Secret. So I ain't complaining. (laughs) I will say, I think that the things that have been going on with a lot of the corporations, it's, you know, the really big companies and stuff like that in our reality right now are giving me a little bit more hope than that woman did in this movie. Because I'm not saying everything's perfect, but there are a lot of things that are happening that will help us prevent this from continuing to spread, I think. And, And a lot of them are good. Not perfect, but a lot of good things are happening. We're learning some good lessons this year, like paid sick time and yeah. bidets and remote working. <laughs> These are all good lessons to learn. I also wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that when Lawrence Fishburne let his wife or fiance know about like the severity of the situation, and then like the first thing she does is like spill the tea to that woman, that like mom in her kitchen with that like visibly Karen haircut. And then the next shot is just everyone panicking because she told everyone on Facebook about it. <laughs> The but it's so real. I know, but like, why would you tell that woman of all people in your friend circle to tell? Yep. I'm going to say something to you and you're not going to repeat it. Repeat it to all of social media. Mm-hmm. She felt guilty. <laughs> well, she should have, honestly. Well, this movie, as I think we've discussed, is rooted in a lot of reality. Uh, there's definitely some stuff that we can learn from it and stuff that we can learn from Mac here in our Factor Fiction. Maybe, maybe. Let's get into it and find out. Number one, there's a real-life virus as deadly as the fictional MEV1 in Contagion. Fact. Fact, for sure. Yeah, probably. Fact. Oh, yeah. So, I know, Chris, you said you wanted to sit out of this one because you're so well-versed in viruses and fact. And I don't, I don't know that I'm well-versed in viruses, but I did send Mac a video th- yeah. that he could have pulled source material from, so I just want to be fair. It is fair. So, let's. It, it's fact. So, let's talk about the Marburg virus. It has a fatality rate of over 80%. And I think from what I was reading, it has like an R naught of something like 1.7. So like, yeah, pretty, pretty darn spreadable, kind of like a a solid margarine. But um, MEV1 in this, in this movie was actually based off of another one. I hope I'm saying it correctly, but like Nipah virus. That is correct. So it has a fatality rate 50 to 75%. And these are viruses that have been like, you know, encountered in the world in the last like 30 to 40 years. So it's kind of wild that we see crazy stuff like this happening on screen. It's happening really fast. And we're like, oh, you know, we're we're getting, you know, coughs. We're getting, you know, like, you know, breathing issues, respiratory diseases. But like, you know, people's brains aren't melting. But in fact, they are from certain viruses that are out there that we've discovered. So that's that's pretty wild. Speaking of viruses, there are viruses that have spread from bats to other animals and then back to humans. Mm. Fact. 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 Of course, I hope we would all know this, but things like SARS and even this year's novel coronavirus are believed to have passed from bats to other animals. Um, small, cute little animals. Um, pigs are our thing. This year, one of the theories is pangolins because pangolins, first of all, they look like real-life Pokemon. They look like armadillos. They're really <laughs> cute, uh, but they're also consumed 
and handled and ground up and all sorts of crazy stuff, uh, which is pretty horrifying. But yeah, so they're not sure this year, which honestly, that's probably the scarier part is like, we don't know for a fact. I feel like we're always not really sure at the beginning. True. But it's just sad that it might have spread to those cute little Pokemon-like things. And then we got it from them (laughs) because we eat them. We shouldn't be eating them because they're so cute. Anyway, number three. Barry Marshall mentioned in the movie is a real person that did drink a solution of H. pylori and developed stomach ulcers. Oh, from the end. I'm from the, the, the talking to her dad. Yeah. Um... Fiction. Uh, I'll go fact. I'm going to say fact, too. That seemed plausible when she said it. Yeah. This is a real-life person, and he actually did receive a Nobel Prize for this work. This has been Everything is True with Mac. <laughs> <laughs> then he's going to get you caught up on one. Yeah, I know. That's we'll like s- a slight number off. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so viruses like this fictional MEV-1 can spread around the world within days. Mm, I mean... Around the world? No. Are we talking one person? Flies to a different country? Is that spread around the world? I'm sorry, Alexis. Have you not met Carmen Sandiego? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I go fact. Fiction. Yeah, fact. Fact for sure. All right, so let's let's think back a little bit to SARS and H1N1. H1N1 spread worldwide just a few weeks. Yeah, but you said days. You said days. Indeed, I did. Okay. Jesus Christ. So I'm going to say, if you said fact or fiction, you're correct. <laughs> I don't care what you answered. Ooh. But literally, within a few weeks, these things spread around the entire world. Sounds about right with what we're going through right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I know um, SARS took a little bit longer, but like SARS was a huge deal. And it hit something like, I don't know, 13, 15 countries, something like that, within you know just like a month. That was our lifetime, Chris. And Matt. No, it's insane. Yeah, it's a, I was eighth grade. Yeah, I mean, it's effectively kind of what we're going through now. So it's 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 pretty wild how fast it. Oh God, it's just scary. Alexis, it's funny because it was their lifetime too, but we're right. the ones right. who are actually just exactly <laughs> thirty years old. So yeah, we're not twelve. Yeah, every, everyone here has experienced the world with SARS. Oh my God. Yeah. So let's go for another one here. Developing vaccines for viruses like MEV one in the movie is as fast as the movie. Can I, uh, is this a question where there's actually a right or wrong answer, unlike the last one? <laughs> yes, there's a factor of fiction. Okay, okay. I feel like that even took him a little longer. I feel like they, they could do it in what, nine, how long was it? They said 90 days. 90 days, yeah. I feel like that's plausible, and I'm praying it is. <laughs> I feel like the movie was, I can't remember how you phrased the question. I feel like in the movie, it was faster than it would ever be in real life to develop a vaccine. Well, yeah, it was an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I need to talk to all of you about how time works in movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say that this is a fact because I agree with Alexis. It seemed like they took a lot longer to get there in the movie than we could do it in real life. Because, like, you could feasibly get super lucky and figure it out on the first try. No. Have you met our government? (laughs) You know how many things you have to go through to get anything anywhere. Ryan's on the right track. It is a fiction. Typically... It takes at least four to six months to develop a vaccine. Yeah. Does that even count for approving it and 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 giving it to people? It depends on the vaccine. Because it seems, yeah, I guess it depends on how, how the situation is. I'd like to remind everybody that uh, Ryan is our resident medical consultant. Well, she got it right. <laughs> Who knows literally nothing about vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's been fact or fiction. I, I hope you've enjoyed and I hope you're not scared. Not that but last just one. Prepared. That was kind of fact or fiction. <laughs> Mostly facts, and then one. There was no right answer. <laughs> well, there was a right answer. It was more just informative than anything. <laughs> 
Mac, thank you so much for that education. Guys, I think, you know, the biggest thing to learn here from from any of this is that this is an interesting time in our world and we just have to be kind to each other and take care of each other. Uh, so regardless of where you stand in your beliefs or anything like that, we do want all of our listeners to stay safe and to stay clean and to stay healthy. We love you so much and we want to hear your thoughts, not only on this movie, but what you're up to during this time of uh, of shuttering indoors and, and staying safe. Keep in mind, there's a number of ways you can reach out to us uh, to let us know if you fall in with the four of us who gave Contagion a slash or the one that gave it a hack. Uh, first at our website, www.hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you spend your time stuck in your house watching any really cool, scary movies and want to tell us about them, you can hit us up on the Hacker Slash hotline. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail or an audio message, and it's 757-606-0128. And if you are plentifully stocked on toilet paper and are self-quarantining, you can hit us up at feedback at hackerslash.com. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.